Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Mayor Brian Bowman on the investigation of building inspectors. Three inspectors have left on their own. Three have been sent home without pay while the investigation continues. And Doug DeJong will tell us his story, how carbon monoxide almost killed him. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now the podcast. You have to compare what is being told um, and what employees are saying and what the video says to what actually happened. And so, though there were maybe just 17 or 18 individuals specifically in, focused on, people from across the department were, were interviewed and much you, you, the investigation was much wider. That is Councillor Scott Gillingham on the building inspectors controversy. Three inspectors have left on their own as the investigation continues and three others have been sent home without pay until the investigation is concluded. And Mayor Brian Bowman joins us on the phone now uh, to update us live. Good afternoon, sir. Hi, Hal. How are you doing? Great. Thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate yeah, it. Um, yeah, just give us your initial reaction to the news that we have now learned. Three have been sent home without pay. Three have left on their own. Well, um, you know what? Uh, based on the allegations, it's a start. Um, we're we're expecting there could be could be other uh, accountability measures in place. Um, it's been a pretty extensive investigation, and I think getting the video surveillance imagery uh, has helped based on uh, what we're hearing from our, our public service. And, um, you know, we're all working towards the, the same objective, which is just to make sure that we're respecting taxpayers. And uh, we want to make sure that if people are being paid by uh, you and me and, and our friends and neighbours, uh, that uh, they're being accountable. And the vast majority of, of, of folks who work for the city of Winnipeg take great pride in their work. And um, we want to make sure for their sake that those that, that might not be following the rules are, are held accountable. Yeah, you know, we were talking about this in the newsroom uh, this morning, and, and the point that I made was, this is theft. This is theft of every taxpayer in the city of Winnipeg if these allegations turn out to be true. Yeah, and, and the the extent of the investigation is, is pretty substantive. I mean, over the fa- past two months, for example, our human resources uh, personnel have conducted interviews with 55 building inspectors, with 10 supervisors. They've examined nearly 80,000 entries uh, that are made into the software system in uh, in the department. Um, they've reviewed approximately 1,500 daily work inspection sheets. Um, they are they are doing their best to make sure that we're getting value for your tax dollars. I just got this text message from a listener. I'll read it to you and then react because I agree with this listener completely. As far as the inspector uh, inspectors leaving and suspended, I think this is more. Imp- it's more important to know what is happening to their management. The management is more to blame for inefficiencies. That's according to the listener. I don't know if they're more to blame or not, but I I do think there needs to be ac- some accountability for the people supervising these inspectors. Uh, you know what, I, I hear that, and that's uh, expressly, uh, you know, that's a sentiment that uh, many of us, myself included, have have, have relayed to the public service as well. Um, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, while we deal with this specific instance, 
we want to make sure that checks and balances are, are built in right now going forward. And um, just because you shouldn't have to rely on third parties to go to this length to uh, to identify problems. And so uh, the P, uh, Property and Development Department has been making some operational changes that are pretty substantive. And um, they've been rolling those out um, as, you know, they're, they're not waiting for the investigation to end. They're making changes right now. Does this have you wondering about other departments? Uh, yep. Yeah, you. I mean, look throughout government. Uh, I'm sure this this is something I think all taxpayers, whether you're looking at the provincial government, the federal government, or municipal governments throughout the province, you always want to make sure you're getting you're getting your value um, as taxpayers, and that's what decision makers and elected folks. I mean, we we come we come to these these positions and these offices because you want to make a positive change, and you want to improve the the level of service, and so when things like this happen. Obviously, it's disheartening, but at the same time, it's an opportunity to put our foot on the gas even harder, and um, it should motivate everybody to uh, to do better. Do you think it might lead to investigations or at least poking around in other departments after this investigation is done? It's possible. I mean, uh, look, we've we've got uh, there there are resources that pe- we encourage people if you have any reason to believe that uh, that somebody isn't following the rules um, in any department. We want to hear. Uh, we want to know. We want to be able to investigate it. So, um, you know, if if things like this are happening in other departments, um, absolutely. And what I'm hoping will happen, and we're going to be obviously working with, collaboratively with our our senior public servants is making sure that the lessons learned from this can be uh, can be transferred across the, the municipal government. Our Clay Young was out talking to Winnipeggers about this today. I'm going to play some of that audio uh, later on, but people are frustrated, and I think one, and they should be, and I think one of the reasons they're so frustrated is because this department kind of has a bad reputation, right? Delays, and then we find this out, and I'm sure complaints were made about these, ins- I don't know this, you tell me. I'm sure complaints, It's. I feel like complaints probably were made about this department and these inspectors in the past, but it took $18,000, a private investigator uh, investigation involving private investigators and secret video to get action. Well, I identified a few years ago in my state of the city address that the uh, the inspections and, and permitting process needed to improve. We partnered with the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce to uh, to create the permit logistics desk. Uh, we've continued to look for other opportunities to work with groups like the Canadian Federation of Independent Business and others to make sure we're constantly improving. And so that work continues and uh, more work needs to be done. How much longer do you think the investigation might take? We're being told within weeks. Um, our, our head of HR said that she expected to be completed by the end of next week. Um, I think that's when she's uh, submitting something to our CAO and and then we go from there. But um, what I've what I've said is, uh, you know, I want to make sure that that's made public uh, to the extent that that information can be made public. I think everybody has an interest in 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 learning more, and and that that's going to hold everybody more accountable going forward, and and that's a good thing. Hey, Mr. Mayor, while I've got you, I want to talk about the Meth Task Force report for just a second. I sense in your comments all along from the beginning of this that you really want to get on this. You want to get stuff done. We call it a crisis, yet I don't feel like it's being dealt with like it's a crisis. Do you have that frustration, too? I sense that in your comments. Yeah, I, I do. Um, if there's one file that that it, you know that I'm I'm thinking about um, each and every day from the moment I wake up till I go to bed, it's it's the meth crisis. We um, 
we're losing too many people and it's effect, affecting public safety and property crime to a level that we haven't seen. And so, um, you know, right now we're, we're going into election cycles. Uh, we're, we're taking steps right now at City Hall and there's more to do and we're going to continue to look for, for other opportunities. But we, we can't wait for election cycles to come and go. We need more action right now. And there's no reason why federal and provincial governments can't begin implementing the recommendations in that report right now. They may not be able to announce them because, because of the early election, but they can implement them. And we'll, we'll give compliments where, where they're due, and we'll work collaboratively with, uh, with our provincial and federal partners because right now we're losing people on our streets, and we, we, we've got some thoughtful recommendations that should compel all of us to do a lot more. And, you know, that task force, it's never been done before where you have three levels of government working together and bringing frontline, um, you know, leaders together to, to come up with recommendations and, um, yeah, that sense of urgency needs to be felt uh, and acted upon by all levels of government. And, and we're trying to do our part, but we need a lot more action from provincial and federal governments right now. Mr. Mayor, I appreciate your time. Yeah, my pleasure, Hal. Have a Thank great you, day. Brian. Bye-bye. I had a chance to sit down with a Winnipegger by the name of Doug DeJong, and he told me his story. Carbon monoxide almost killed him. Take a listen. Thank you for coming in and telling us your story. Glad to be here. Thank you. So what happened yesterday at the Super 8 Motel up on Portage near St. Charles happened to you. Go back to 2016. Tell us the story. Well, I was working in a uh, um, a job site trailer on a construction site, and uh, the job was just starting, so we just had uh, excavators on site. Uh, I was in the trailer kind of minding them and kind of getting the, the start of the job rolling. Uh, it was really cold out, like minus 30 or, or colder, and uh, we actually didn't have permanent power on the site yet. So in the job site trailer, we had... Uh, like a generator supplying uh, heat and light and uh, at the back of the trailer is where the generator was and then there was a center like a little lunchroom and then my office was at the front um, for a few days i had the generator running just during the day uh, but it would it would take like three four hours f you know for the for, for there to get to be proper heat uh, in, in the trailer. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll, uh, leave the generator running overnight and at least it's warm when I come in in the morning. Uh, and, and like I would open like the back doors of the trailer so that this, uh, you know, like the, uh, carbon monoxide would get out. Right. right. And I guess, uh, I, you know, even those two walls in the trailer, like the, the hole I had like a, an extension cord running through the hole was maybe two inches in diameter. That's all it took for this carbon monoxide to get through. Wow. And, uh, cause I didn't even, you know, I didn't even realize the potential for the hazard to be there. Right. And, uh, uh, on the day in question, I, I just, uh, you know, was working away and, and the reason I know that I was out for over two hours, uh, you know, on my phone, we saw after I missed my first phone call just before nine o'clock. So we knew, uh, you know, I was out by, by unconscious by nine o'clock. Um, uh, a, a concrete salesman happened to come by our, our job site and, uh, came in the trailer, saw me on the ground unconscious, called 911. And that was just before 11. So, uh, it was two hours that I was, uh, unconscious. Um, I briefly, like maybe... I'm going to say three or four times briefly 
regained consciousness and I, I like I had no idea it was happening right like I was on the ground in the trailer or on the floor in the trailer and uh, I knew something was wrong like I reached for my phone I tried to dial 911 and I just like I couldn't have the coordination and stay conscious long enough to even phone 911 mm. and um, one of the times that I gained consciousness again just for a few seconds like I realized I was dying and I, I remember specifically having this thought like um, you know wow like my wife is going to be a, a pretty young widow and uh, I had uh, I had two grandkids one that was uh, about a year and a half and I remember consciously thinking wow my my son and daughter-in-law are going to have to say to my grandson you know grandpa won't be coming around anymore mm. so it was uh and yeah. in those moments of consciousness on the floor in this trailer, did you realize what was going on? Did you put two and two together and go, you no, just knew you were in trouble? I, I had no idea what was going on. I, you know, I, I uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't sort of go, oh, I got carbon monoxide. I yeah. had no idea. I just knew I was on the ground and yeah. and could, you know, again, I was conscious for mm-hmm. a few seconds each time. That yeah. was it. And you were very close to death. In fact, I think when they found you, took you to the hospital, they called your family and said, you better come and, and see Doug because he's probably not going to make it. Yeah. They have a, a way of measuring the carbon monoxide poisoning you have. And, and at the hospital, like after I recovered, uh, they told me, in, like whatever this number is, like anything 20 and over, you know, the guy's probably not going to regain consciousness. The first measurement that they had on me, I was 36.2, so almost twice like what is generally considered a lethal uh, poisoning. Um, and yeah, they called, like my uh, my wife came, uh, my son, my daughter, and my sister, they all came, you know, thinking, uh, you know, yeah. they, I'd be sort of there breathing, but, you know, and... and um, you know, I, I don't throw around the word miracle too often, but it's a miracle I survived because, you know, based on how long I was out and the degree of uh, of carbon monoxide poisoning that I had, there's no way I should have survived. Yeah. And when you're now out of that situation, away from the carbon monoxide poisoning, and you're in the hospital, you come back fairly quickly, you told me, eh? Um. Yeah, they to- they told me, um, you know, whatever level your poisoning is at, uh, as as long as they're giving you oxygen, like yeah. through an oxygen machine, mm-hmm. your poisoning levels drop by about 50% per hour. So normally we've got, I guess, a certain amount of carbon monoxide in our body. I think if I remember around four per, like four parts per million or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And so originally I was at 36 so after an hour, theoretically, that had dropped to about 18. Yeah, and then know, half two hours every hour. Blah, 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 right, blah, blah, right. So. Well, and we heard yesterday readings of almost 400 parts per million is what we were told yesterday, and, and that 10 to 20 is normal. Now, I don't know if that was the reading in the building or if that was the reading in the individuals that were affected, but regardless, a very close call for a lot of people yesterday. Absolutely, yeah. 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 So now, and we're trying to answer a lot of the questions today that come up after this happens, you know, something like this happens yesterday, people have questions. Did you go out and get a carbon monoxide detector for your home and and maybe tell me after you survived, this miracle happened, then what? 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have carbon metal. I think we have three in our home for sure. And uh, the company I was working for at the time, you know, we didn't have one in the trailer, uh, you know, um, and of course one was put in right away and, yeah. you know. Well, Doug, I'm so glad you're here and able to tell this story and I'm glad you reached out to us uh, because um, I think this is a wake-up call for a lot of us to realize and, and listen to your story, right? That little tiny hole, yeah. uh, enough carbon monoxide got into where you were at to almost kill you. Yeah, it should have killed me. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad yeah. you're here. Thanks for telling the story. Thanks for sharing the story. Uh, glad the miracle happened for you, man. Okay. And uh, by sharing your story today, I think you're uh, helping a lot of us understand this better. And and it is. It's a. It, it certainly is a wake up call, wouldn't you say? I would. Yeah. Yeah, Doug. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Hal. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.